Show number 99 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Show 99. One more. One more. Oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, it's just so exciting. Show 99 of Look at His Butt, mm-hmm. and I am Jungle Kitty. And I'm Lena, and I, I'm getting over a cold, which is why I sound like this. And we're hoping she doesn't give it to me. No. I have things coming up this week where I need my voice. I've, I've been taking Sudafed and everything all week, so hopefully <sighs> I'm just on the downside. Okay. It's every. It just went around my office. Everybody was wow. sick, and now it's my turn. So, yeah, I think uh, you know offices are bad places for a variety of reasons. Yeah, but that's one of them. I, well, and if I could do anything about it, believe me, I would. Right. <laughs> well, listeners, you should all be saying, "Oh, thank God for Lena," because she has a list a mile <laughs> long of stuff we can talk about, and I have done no preparation. If it was me, there would be no show 99, at least not today. So she's driving, and I'm along for the ride, okay, and well, so are you. Let's let's do some very topical stuff right okay. now. Um, first of all, here in the United States, as you might have heard, we had an election. Um, yes. And it was a good election, mostly. It was very exciting. It was extremely exciting. Everybody around the world was watching, and um, our guy won. Yes. <laughs> which was very, very, very exciting, so mm-hmm. that was good. Um, unfortunately, here in California, the horrible, hate-filled, bigoted Proposition 8 passed. But you know what? It's only a matter of time before that is... Well, and there's all already stuff afoot mm-hmm. to uh, to appeal that. And I, I did some research and learned some very interesting things about the California Constitution. I won't go into here, <laughs> but... Um, this is definitely not over. It's not. But it, it really was, it was bittersweet because... Yes. So the main election with Obama being, you know, the president, which is still very hard to kind of get into your, your head. I know. It's like, I, it, somebody, I read a couple things and, the, and they were saying um, Americans were out in the streets celebrating the way they did at the end of World War II yeah. or where a country that has been living under tyranny finally has mm-hmm. an actual free election and it was just, it was so exciting it so was, wonderful to be part of it was amazing i was sitting here on election night and i was um, i had like three windows open mm-hmm. and they were all to different places that were tracking the election and i was just hitting the refresh <laughs> button well i moved uh, my computer and everything out to the the uh, the kitchen table so mm-hmm. that i could watch tv mm-hmm. and watch the elections come in and once you know it was for certain that it was going to be Obama I flipped over to Fox News <laughs> just to watch him go blah, 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 and you know instantly the, the knives came out for who they could blame. Of course of course well um, right before the election you had sent me this very funny little clip which I thought was great. Okay. There's another reason to vote for Obama and this was oh, yes. in um, the New York Post and it said uh, Leonard Nimoy was at a recent Barack Obama event when the candidate spotted him in the crowd and acknowledged him with a Vulcan hand signal which is just the most awesome thing. I would love to see a picture of that. I know. That would be the most awesome thing ever. That is so cool. I just thought that that was great. And then um, this was posted to uh, a blog that um, I read, and I just thought this was really, really funny, so I'm going to read it. And it was posted to a community at Live Journal that's called Fanfic Rants, and it's people ranting about fanfic. That sounds like fun. So this is an open letter to America from Europe. Oh, cool. Dear America, please stop it. 
Your OMC, Obama, is the worst Sue I've seen in a long time. Your work in progress has been going on for a while now with frequent updates, but so far we haven't seen a single flaw. Coolest guy in town, funny, smart as a particularly smart whip, easily catches the eye of every swing state about to adopt a puppy, even rappers like him. Rappers. The world is a hostile place. Suspicious European governments aren't going to be excited to the point of dribbling on their shirts the moment he appears on their doorstep. <laughs> 200,000 people in Berlin. Come on. That name alone. Seriously, what's with people and their love for unusual names? <laughs> John and Bill are perfectly fine for a president. Or Milhouse. <laughs> Even worse, your John McCain is completely out of character. That man's a war hero. He's not going to suddenly, I don't know, campaign with a fake plumber or something just to make <laughs> your character look better. Even more ridiculous, Al-Qaeda endorsing McCain to show how awesome your Sue is. And I'm not even talking about Sarah Palin. The world doesn't work that way. However, <laughs> the worst thing is the puppy. Please, don't let him have a puppy. If that happens, the planet will spontaneously combust to be replaced by a big ball of fluff and sunshine. <laughs> Seriously, Al Gore was bad enough. Oscar and Nobel Prize, please. But at least he had the decency to lose the election. For the love of puppies, give us some flaws, something to work with, okay? Lots of love, Europe. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> that is so funny. I had not even thought of the win in those terms. It's true. It's just so true. So I love it. That I, really, really made me laugh. I love it. And for um, maybe some of our listeners who aren't fanfic the the OMC stands for Original Male yeah. Character. Mm -hmm. And um, when it's a female, she's called Mary Sue, which is why they kept saying, your Sue is... Um, just unbelievably perfect, which is one of the traits of Mary Sue. That is so funny. I love that. It is. And the puppy, true, is the yeah. icing on the cake. Yes. You know, and, and you know he's And that it's going to be a shelter a puppy. A shelter puppy. That's it. He's going to pick, you know, the, the, the puppy that's been in the shelter longer than any other puppy that has like three legs or two tails or something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Anyhow, I just really like that. So I wanted to share. So while we're talking about election news, I have a, a sort of Star Trek-related piece, oh, cool. which is, I believe I read this in Time Magazine, which did a special issue that showed up at my house yesterday, and I was reading it. And, you know, it was pointing out, you know, what a step forward this is, and in many ways that it came much sooner than most people expected. And certainly, I was going through what I found out a lot of people were going through who were, you know, on the Obama side of things, that... It looked like he was going to win, but we were afraid to want it too yeah, hard. Oh, we we were all prepared for this crushing disappointment. We didn't want to jinx it. I yeah. mean, it was just that much. Like, it, you could hope for something so good, and that would immediately make it not happen. Right, <laughs> right. And I, I felt the exact same way. But anyway, so Time Time Magazine was talking about this and, and talking about how it came sooner than, than we thought it would. And they said, yes, there have been black presidents on TV and in movies, but usually those are the TV shows or movies that feature colonies on Mars and flying cars. <laughs> and I thought, yes! That's, you know, the Star Trek, I mean, we've talked about it like yeah. um, when the Dr. Daystrom, when we reviewed that episode, mm -hmm. that there, there, there was no issue ever made mm -hmm. of his color. And the same is true that, you know, we had um, black commanders, uh, black scientists, we had Ahura right there mm -hmm. on the bridge, and it was like, yeah, no big deal. And the same was true of having Sulu there. That was all part of Roddenberry's dream, was mm -hmm. this multicultural starship reflecting its society mm -hmm. where these things are non-issues. You, you are who you are, yeah. and you get where you get because of your qualifications and not because 
they needed a token Asian person, or you weren't slapped down for being an Asian or a woman or a black or whatever the, the thing was. Yeah. That is absolutely true. Um, and I also think, um, I, we talked about this a little bit, I think. Uh, I can't remember because we've done almost 100 shows, so my memory of the early ones is like totally vanished. It's the Alzheimer's. Um, but uh, the casting of Tim Russ on Voyager mm -hmm. as a Vulcan was always a very interesting choice, and there were always and forever discussions about whether he was supposed to be a black Vulcan or whether he was just a black actor who was playing a Vulcan, mm. or you know what, what was that supposed to be? And I just thought it was so good that they did that. Just mm -hmm. to make it a question, to leave it open, I don't think they ever addressed it no. in terms of what was going on on Vulcan, that maybe Vulcan had different, you know, races that mm -hmm. had different physical characteristics. And I always loved the fact, excuse me, <clears throat> that in the one episode where Tuvok was having uh, some kind of Vulcan mind experience, they showed his wife, mm -hmm. who was this amazingly beautiful black woman. And they just looked so good together. And it was really nice that they did that. And again, they didn't comment about it. It mm -hmm. was just there, and you just took it for what it was. Right. So that was awesome. One more thing about the election. Yes. Um, and I, I thought we could talk about this a little bit. This was an article um, that was sent to us by our, our man in New Zealand. Um, and it was published at io9. You know, io9 is a newish kind of science fiction site. I haven't heard of them. They have great stuff there. We've pulled a couple articles from there. Oh, okay. That we've talked about on the then show. I just didn't know where they came from. But it, they've gotten all these really good writers. So um, I don't read it every day, but I often see good things there. Anyway, this is an article that was just published the other day, on Friday, by um, a guy named Charlie, or a person named Charlie Jane Anders. I don't know if that's a man or woman, but it doesn't matter. And it's titled, um, The Return of Clinton Futurism. <laughs> okay. So I'll read a little bit of it, and then we can discuss. It says, The last time the Democrats controlled the White House and both houses of Congress, Gillian Anderson wore pants. There were two Star Trek series on at once, which promoted women and minorities and looked at the dark side of the Federation. Cyberpunk reigned supreme. The future was a shiny place, but with dread lurking just beneath its polish. Now that the Democrats have finally scored another grand slam, are we going to see the return of sunny but questioning science fiction? Zachary Quinto sure thinks so. He's been saying for months that an Obama presidency means the new Star Trek movie where he plays young Mr. Spock will be a huge hit because both the Obama campaign and the new Trek are about optimism and diversity. Hmm. And then the rest of the article goes on to, to talk about what science fiction, on in, in not in books, but on, on TV and in movies, was like during Clinton presidency. Right. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, it is true, I think, that speculative fiction tends to reflect what's going on at the time, and Star mm -hmm. Trek, the original series, certainly did that. And um, I think there is a good point to be made that a lot of science fiction on TV and in movies has really gone back to a lot of the offensive tropes that you always saw, like, you know, the women have ceased to be real actors and mm -hmm. they're just kind of eye candy wearing very little costumes, mm -hmm. and you don't see a lot of minorities other than, you know, your standard white guy hero who is always, you know, whoever, Bruce Willis or somebody like that. Um, and I, I think there was a lot more interesting science fiction on at that time, maybe, than there is now, although I don't watch that much that's on TV, mm -hmm. so I don't know that that's absolutely true. Well, two thoughts occur to me. One is Battlestar Galactica, mm -hmm. Galactica, which is coming back on in January, hooray, hooray. <laughs> and for all that it is a, a story about trying to find Earth, 
and they, they of course are hopeful that this will work out, it's not an optimistic mm-hmm. picture of the future by any means. It is a, a very difficult place and very difficult situation. But also thinking back to original Trek, it did reflect its society, but in in a sort of opposite way. Because certainly when it came on, there was so much turmoil Mm -hmm. in America and uh, protests going on, you know, about our our role in Vietnam and, you know, just just all kinds of things. And, you know, the the, uh, DVD or whatever, which I don't have and I don't particularly want, of the uh, Smothers Brothers show Mm -hmm. just came out. And there was a lot of coverage on that because they're showing the things that were censored. And I remember watching that show as a teenager, and we all found it very funny, you know, it really was entertaining, um, and of course, because we were teenagers, we were very upset about the censorship too, rightfully so. So Star Trek, in showing a future where at least mankind has overcome those things, was very sunny. Mm-hmm. For all the different issues it confronted on its journeys, most of those issues weren't going on in the society mm-hmm. we saw week after week after yeah. week. Yeah. It, it seems like the original series, and, and to a certain extent um, TNG, although not the subsequent Trek series, um, were about conflict, but the conflict was because of change mm-hmm. and because of the possibility of change and the possibility that things could be better. And certainly there have been times in the country when people did feel like, wow, things can really change. In the late 60s were yes. the pinnacle of that. But even during the Clinton presidency, I think people felt more that there was more possibility for change in terms of you know, women and non-straight white people in this country and then the United States dealing with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And my take on the national feeling in the last eight years has been that that's the opposite. Yes. Like, like there just hasn't been any feeling that anything was going to change and it was all going backwards mm-hmm. and things were going to get worse, really worse, and they have gotten worse right. in some ways, that there was no optimism for what could be because there was no possibility that anything was going to be different. Right, right. And it's interesting. I love The Daily Show. I love Jon Stewart. And the day after the election, um, I was watching it, and I believe believe the comment was made there. It might have been made someplace else about it was so amazing to see people around the world, um, you know, in large crowds being affected by what went on in America, and they weren't burning American flags for once, you know, and that, that was the thing. But also, this, this was such an incredible um, tape they made that I hope everyone will go to YouTube and watch it. But they said, we're going to, you know, show you some of the dancing in the streets that went on. So it started out, you know, showing Cleveland and London, England, and, you know, people were dancing. And then they started interspersing uh, moments from movies like, um, uh, oh, what's the one... Well, I'm going to say flash dance, but that isn't the name of it. But they show it, and then they'd say, you know, like Philadelphia or wherever that, that took place. And then they started interspersing things from that video of the guy who goes around the world and does this silly dance. Oh, yes. And other people join in. And that's an amazing video. You start watching it going, this is weird. And then it just builds for you into such a joyous thing. If you haven't seen that video, you should see it. But to put that into this was just so wonderful. It was the best comment on what the feeling was around the world. Mm-hmm. I loved it. That's that is really great. Um, and yeah, I, you know, it, it occurs to me as we're discussing this that part of the reason for it is that um, 
our our view of science fiction is so very American, mm-hmm. and with a few exceptions, right? With a few right. things that come from England. For us, and I think for most people, science fiction, especially in movies and especially on television, is so American centric that it has to reflect what's going on here, right? As opposed to anywhere else in the world. Um, so I I think that we might see some some different things because of that incredible boundless optimism that people mm-hmm. seem to have right now. Well, and I think um, you are going to see that moment referenced in science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how they always talk about these things that it happened in the past and and what happened after that and I think we're gonna we're gonna see some of that. I think that which will be, be very interesting. That will be very interesting, yeah. Well, this is a really good article, and um, I will put the link up so people yes. can go read it, because it, it does a fairly good job of breaking down some of the common threads that were in a lot of the science fiction of uh, the, the Clinton era, and it's pretty funny, too. Cool. I want to read that, so please do put up the link. Yeah, it will be good. So um, let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back and, and talk a little bit about um, Harry Mudd. Okay. <laughs> Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Things Bill wants you to know. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Show notes at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. Harcourt Fenton Mudd. Yes, the third. The man and his music. Yes. <laughs> So I have to apologize because in our, our last show, when we were talking about Roger Carmel, I, I said some things of which I had no knowledge, and they were wrong. So <laughs> I want to correct those things. Okay. The first thing is that um, he he did pass away, but not as soon as I had thought. So he died in the late eighties, and he had gone to a bunch of conventions. Oh, really? I some pictures of him at conventions, and you know what? He looked exactly the same, which is kind of neat. Well, yeah, I but, remember seeing him in other shows, yeah. particularly the uh, the mothers in law. The mothers in law, yes, yes and that. he looked exactly like that. That's how he looked. That's so that was interesting, and and in general, people said he was a great guy to have at the conventions because he was very friendly and, and effusive, and just happy to talk and talk to people. So that's good to know. And if anybody ever saw him at a convention. I'd love to know about it. We want to know. What he had to say. So, an interesting thing that he said at a convention was that at one point, um, the network was considering uh, the idea of Harry Mudd's Space Pirate as a spin-off from Star Trek. <gasps> oh my god. Oh, that's so funny. Would that not have been a funny show? That would have been really good. Yes. It would have had to been a comedy, for one thing. Oh, well, yeah. yes. Yes. But that would have been a totally awesome show. <laughs> I would have watched that every week. That's wonderful. Well, you know, um, I believe that this is true, that they originally wanted Harry Mudd to be the guy in the Tribbles episode. Oh, and interesting. Even though the guy who played it I thought was very good, mm-hmm. it would have just been too awesome mm-hmm. to have him be the guy who 
you know, brought the brought the tribbles and sold them to her right. and got the whole ball, ball rolling. Um, so it turned out that he did do the Harry Mudd character one more time in one of the animated shows. I think I had heard that. So I barely remember that. And even mm-hmm. though I've got them now and I haven't watched them because life is too short and, <laughs> you know, the quality just wasn't that good. Um, so after Star Trek... He um, he did more television. He was one of those guys who was on TV as a guest character a lot. He was also the voice of Smokey the Bear, which I had no idea about. I so didn't know all those that. TV commercials that yes. was him doing the voice of Smokey the Bear, and that actually only pre- you can prevent forest fires. That's him. Wow! And that provided him with a nice income for for most of his life, in addition to the acting mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, sadly, he had some issues with drugs and alcohol, and that um, contributed to his death, in addition to not being the healthiest of guys, because he was always a little bit overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, the report is that he was doing too much cocaine, and that caused him to have a heart attack, and he died. So, oh, that was sad. That's sad. Um, just as a, a side note, I will mention, which I did not know, was that he was gay. I didn't know that either. Um, and apparently, he and Takei were good friends, and um, his gayness was not a big secret in Hollywood, but apparently he had something of a reputation for hanging around with rent boys and stuff. So <laughs> that kind of fits in with his character. It kind of does, but I have to tell you right now, I hope that this bit of knowledge is not going to sweep across the internet and <laughs> we're going to suddenly see Sulu Mud Slash. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be horrible. So I wanted to tell you a, just a, a quick story um, that I found in a couple different places on the internet, so I think it's true because it was posted by someone who was friends with him, and it was about him, his stint on the mothers-in-laws. This is oh, interesting. Cool. A little bit of I really gossip. liked that show. So he, I did, too. We used to watch it all the mm-hmm. time. So he was on for the first season, but he didn't come back for the second season, and they replaced That's him right. with someone else. Right. Now, there, were, there was the official story. They replaced him with Richard Deacon. Another gay actor. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love Richard Deacon. He was so oh, good on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm the like Dick Van Dyke. Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so the official story was that he that Carmel was demanding a raise, and Desi Arnaz, who was the creator of that show, didn't want to give it to him, so he was fired. What really happened was that um, Desi Arnaz was taking four salaries for that show with mm-hmm. the mothers-in-law. He was the producer, he was the creator, he was the writer, and he also directed some of the episodes. Mm-hmm. And when the second season came around, everybody was supposed to get a raise, but they couldn't because he was taking too much money. Oh. And Carmel was the only one who kind of caught on to this. And in fact, it turned out that Arnez was going to pay himself a fifth salary because he was going to be a performer in the second season. I remember him doing a, a guest appearance. So he was. So he said... Um, um, let me read this part. When I told Roger that during the second season, Arnez joined the cast as an out-of-work bullfighter, Roger smiled and said, that Cuban SOB, no wonder there wasn't any money for raises. He planned on taking a fifth salary as an actor. So that was why. He, yeah. yeah. So he kind of knew that it wasn't being fair. And later on, um, he said that Kay Ballard had called him and said he was right and they all should have held out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they all felt bad that he had to leave the show. Yeah. So Wow. Anyway. Hmm, that is, that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, he also did a lot of voiceover work. Mm-hmm. If you go to his IMDb page, you can see he did a lot of voiceovers for um, different animated movies and cartoons and things like that. So he was pretty busy up until his death. He um, was named after his uh, grandfather, who was a famous artisan who carved the horses at the Rye Playland um, and in Coney Island on the carousels. Huh. And he owned, uh, Roger had one of those carousel horses mm-hmm. in his possession. They're very valuable now. Oh, yeah, I would yeah. imagine. So, anyway, 
Just some interesting stuff. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's great. You know, and it, it, it's surprising to me that for such a, a big, wonderful, vibrant character that he appears so little in fanfic. Yeah. And I've sort of mentioned him in at least, you know, one story mm -hmm. because I think he fits into the world I've been been mm -hmm. working in. But it, it, I don't know, why do, why do you think... Is it because most fanfic writers really cannot write humor? Um, I think that's probably part of it. And I, I think it's because... Not that it stops him trying, so maybe they aren't aware of that limitation. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just think that there's... Um, oh, look, it's raining out. Uh, there's... I think it would be hard to work him into a personal relationship with someone. I mean, because mm. most fanfic writers gravitate towards writing those intense personal relationships, and his character is not the kind who's going to have an intense personal relationship with anybody. Right, and you know that you're you're right, and that makes me think that um, in so many fanfic stories, there are very few appearances of the secondary characters, mm -hmm. and they certainly have have little to say or do, and. Yeah, Harry Mudd doesn't fit into that at all. I'm not saying I think he, sh you know, he should have this. I don't know, a great romance with Shauna or something like that. But um, you're right. Most fan fiction doesn't deal with the, the type of adventures and stories in which he would be a player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Ooh, see, now we're saying that, and probably you know, after we finish this show, I'm going to go on the internet, and there's going to be like pages and pages and pages. But you and I don't know about it. <laughs> So, therefore, it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's let's do a discussion topic, because I'd really like to get your opinion on this. Okay. I'm making that hand motion. Okay. Let me read you this. Let me find it first. All of our, our um, stuff this week is coming off the interwebs. So, this is... You'll think this isn't related, but it is. <clears throat> so this came from um, the, the interwebs, just some news about Doctor Who. So, oh, yes, okay. there has been news about Doctor Who. So Doctor Who honcho Stephen Moffat might seek an older actor when looking for David Tennant's replacement. He said, although I loved Peter Davison and Paul McGann, I love Paul McGann, um, probably the best two actors in the role, I don't think that young, dashing doctors are right at all. He should be 40-plus and weird-looking, the kind of wacky grandfather kids know on site to be secretly one of them. And then the, the writer says, didn't you hear Boston Legal is in its final season? William Shatner will soon be available. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, what do you think? Could William Shatner be Doctor Who? Okay, I have only seen, like, one and a half episodes mm -hmm. of the current Doctor Who, and I never watched any of the old ones. Okay. So, um, my opinion is totally uninformed and not based on anything. But that's okay. Um, except... I do like the guy who's been playing it in those one and a half mm -hmm. episodes. David Tennant, yeah. is that his name? Yes, I thought um, I thought he was very, very good. And because he played the character so well, I guess I never really thought of him as being young, handsome, and dashing. <laughs> well, they've had so many doctors over the years. And yes. originally, the doctor started off as, as a grandfather guy. Like, the actors mm -hmm. who were playing him were sort of, you know... Um, like Peter Cushing type actors, mm -hmm. you know, older British guys sort of stayed a little bit, but right. crazy, you know, out right. on the side, eccentric, bushy white hair. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's gone back and forth between who they've gotten to play. And, and I think the actors generally have gotten younger over mm -hmm. the decades. So the guys like Paul McGann and David Tennant are, are the youngest of mm -hmm. the guys who have played him. So Bill can certainly uh, play wacky eccentric. Mm -hmm. we, we know he can do that. And this would be such a huge change from Boston Legal. And certainly another facet for him to to display because he never played that sort of thing in Star Trek. What I'm thinking of though is the one and a half episodes I saw did involve a certain amount 
of um, physical action yes. and running around. And I'm wondering if now at the age of 79 or something, if Bill is is up to that. Well, they could write it in a way so that he didn't have to do so much of that, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and granted, a lot of the rushing around is, you know, down the uh, hallways of BBC Studios, so it's not, <laughs> it doesn't have to be climbing rocks. Oh, it doesn't? Okay. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, the, at first I was like, okay, that's a stupid idea. Uh, but then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, if Bill wanted to do something like that, I actually think he could bring a really interesting dimension to this role and make it something the same but different. Mm -hmm. You know, he could he could really give a twist on it, and, you know, even though he's not English, he could just bring this sort of um, serious, but like he does with Danny Crane, like mm -hmm. serious but able to go berserk at a moment's notice right. kind of thing. And that's always been part of the Doctor Who character, is that he'll say and do things that are completely, you think they're crazy, but then mm -hmm. they have some meaning behind it. Right. He's on a hair trigger, like you can never quite tell what's going to happen. Yeah, I think, uh, well, even if they offered it to him, I would be very surprised if Bill took it. It would be a grind. He doesn't it would be a grind, it. and he has said part of what he likes about um, Boston Legal is he's not the lead. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have the burden of carrying the show, and apparently that's something he really feels, that on TV the lead actor carries the show. Mm -hmm. And we know Bill wasn't particularly good at sharing that burden with <laughs> other people historically. But, you know, because his focus now is so much on his horses and his family and things like that, um, he has said he took Boston Legal because, first of all, the role was written for him, mm -hmm. and also because it was like, you're going to be a secondary character. You do not have to be there every day of shooting. Mm -hmm. And so he did it as almost like a sideline. So I don't think he'd go for being the lead. He, he would certainly be an interesting uh guest star if they ever wanted to show like Doctor Who's boss or something, you know. <laughs> that is true. Well, you know, they have done um, things on Doctor Who where they had a doctor for a very short period of time um, for various reasons. So he could be Doctor Who for like, you know, five episodes or something mm -hmm. like that. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting suggestion from the person who wrote this article and then just an interesting suggestion in general that they really pick somebody that you would never, ever think of mm -hmm. in that role. Someone totally different from the other kinds of actors who have played yeah. that role recently. Yeah. So I would be very curious to know what other people think about this, whether mm -hmm. it would be a really good choice or a really stupid choice. And, you know, that brings up the whole thing of... Uh, Sorry, I probably just made a lot of noise at my microphone, <laughs> so I apologize for that. Is um, what is Bill going to do career-wise after Boston Legal? Is it just going to be the shills? Is he now going to be in demand as a guest actor, which I think he would like? That mm -hmm. would appeal to him. What's he going to do? Yeah, I think I think the world is his oyster, pretty much. Oh yeah, I think he could pretty much do anything that he wanted to do. When the bees are making honey, they're delivering it to his house. <laughs> And I'm sure he's been offered a thousand things. Yeah. He's got piles and piles of scripts and ideas and stuff just sitting there. Um, it's interesting that he hasn't said anything about what he's going to do. Yeah. So yeah. maybe there's something big. Who knows? Could be. He's got the line of comic books out now. That must take a lot of his time. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he even reads them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that... Um, my guess would be he'll end up doing some kind of television stuff, and it might be just guest spots, or it might be 
um, a recurring role, but maybe not every week the way it is on Boston Legal. Well, I believe in January is when his talk show, Shatner's Raw oh, Nerve, that's right, yeah. is supposed to be coming on. And they have filmed several of those mm-hmm. from what I've heard. Yeah. So, because um, I was just thinking, you know, now the, the they're not really talk shows, but we're starting to see um, a building momentum of more of these shows, you know, like Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. And there's some show on now called The Doctors, where it's four doctors <laughs> giving advice, you know, to audience members. And, and apparently, I haven't watched it, but a lot of those, and I was thinking, um, you know, if they were to give uh, Bill uh, a show to, you know, be like Dr. Phil and advise mm-hmm. on relationships and how to pick up women and what's a good kiss. And uh, Imagine that, William Shatner's How to Pick Up Women. But, you know, the thing about that show is that he could give advice. He could. But no one can do it like he can. So, in a way, it's over-promising. You know, he could teach you the technique, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't work the same because you're not William Shatner. Yeah, yeah. You're not mm. him. Because you, you can't Darn. look at a woman and make, a her, loss. make her fumble her words and drop food down in her lap. And, and, and yeah, and have her, her knees collapse. Because uh, you're not Bill. <laughs> I don't know. If they get serious about human cloning and they can, you know, not just clone you physically, but some of the personality traits, <laughs> he better be on the top of the list. I hope so. So we can each have our own Bill. Because we need our own Bill. We do. <laughs> We do. Oh, so funny. Okay, let me see. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll do, we'll do one more short thing. Okay. This will make you laugh. Let me find it. So this was also um, sent in by our friend Greg, and um, this was mentioned in an article somewhere else. Now, you know, um, there are spam sites that uh, are not even made by human beings. They're just robots that go out, and they put up a bunch of ads, and then they grab content and kind of smash it all together Mm -hmm. into a website. Well, here's one, and it's called topreviewsder.com, and all it is is advertisements, but the top post that they have, and I'll turn my computer so you can see it, is, it says, Spocks, plural, stars in new Star Trek movie. Okay. And you can see all the ads and everything. Right. right here. Spock. So, wow. so what happens when you scroll down? First of all, there's a picture of a cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that makes perfect sense. And I've seen that picture of a cat before that someone had posted saying it had a very Spockish expression on its face. And it mm, does. Sort of. yes. It's kind of like yes, that one eyebrow lifted and it's looking. So the, the funny part is what's actually in here. And um, because it was a robot that pulled all this stuff together, it makes it sound like the quotes from Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine makes them sound like they're, um, they don't speak English as their native language. So I'm going to read <laughs> oh, it because great. it's really funny. It says, The recent issue of Empire Magazine, released in the U.S., also covered detailed interviews with Star Trek stars Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine, and here are excerpts courtesy of TrekMovie.com. Zachary Quinto on Spock, quote, I truly associate to the duality of his perspective. I consider all the materials that Spock is famous for, the logic the logic versus the emotion, the human versus the alien, are at the basic of his travel in this film. I feel he's less filtered in his ability to deal with them. <laughs> you know, the, the robot obviously grabbed this and from it, a website that had translated to German it, and translated it, it back. It ran it through Babelfish or something. Yes! Oh, my okay, God. So then here's the other part. Chris Pine on Kirk, quote, Kirk is the bombastic, charged, emotional, angry, vulnerable guy. He finds to screen all sides at 100% complete throttle. He's everywhere. To rob a line from this election, he's a maverick. 
So he's going to do something mavericky. Yeah, I that's how they wrote the script. They go, "What would a maverick do?" And then they do that. Exactly. And then there's a picture of a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to get all my news like that. I would like to read the um, the uh, election coverage, um, (laughs) you know, pulled together by that particular robot. Do you think these robots are going around the web snickering? Oh, as they do these things. Probably. I just like he finds to screen all sides at one hundred percent complete throttle. Yep. Whatever that means. I I would like. um, I would like maybe a business card that said that. <laughs> Captain Kirk, he finds to scream or whatever the rest of it is. Blah, blah, blah. That is like Easter egg vinegar in your eye. It, it totally is. Uh, okay. So anyway, just wanted to share. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I knew you'd like it. Okay. I think we should take a break. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I think we should look at these, these things we haven't looked at yet from oh. uh, Trek today. Yes, let's do it. Okay. okay. Cue the music. One other thing we, we should bring up that, again, is political. This is probably our political show. It's the most stuff we've ever done. Um, and it's uh, bill-related. It's also pretty current. Is As most of you may know, a couple weeks ago, George Takei got married. And there was a lot of publicity mm-hmm. building up to it. Um, Nichelle Nichols and Walter Pavel Chekhov, <laughs> whose name I couldn't think of, were um, their bridesmaid and best man or whatever. And... Excuse me. So he, you know, he got married, and there had been a lot of talk. Was he going to invite William Shatner? Was mm-hmm. he not going to invite William Shatner? And I remember reading some things. One was his partner apparently was trying to convince him that this was a time to, you know, put all this old ugly stuff behind them and have this day of rejoicing. So, you know, it was totally unclear to me if they ever did invite Bill or didn't invite Bill. Well, now they've started up the new website, mm-hmm. and one one of the very first things to be posted that's new was his daughter posing the question. <clears throat> So how do you feel about not being invited to George Takei's wedding? And Bill's answer, he said some uh, things that I think were a mistake mm-hmm. to say because it was it was really just the same thing he's always said, which is why is he holding on to this resentment for 40-some years? But, you know, Bill went into it more and, you know, was saying it's sick, he's a psycho, things like that. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't, like, foaming at the mouth or <clears throat> tearing out his toupee or anything like that. He, you know, he's just commenting and saying, I don't understand why he continues to feel this way. And he says he was not invited. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the news media picked this up and went to Takei and, and said, well, you know, how do you respond? And first of all, apparently Takei said, we did send him an invitation and he did not respond. So, first of all, who knows where the truth is? But um, the strange thing is it was, you know, picked up on a lot of sites that Bill had said these things. And on all the ones I saw, and some other people wrote to me about this going, you know, have you seen this? They were saying um, Shatner attacked Takei, and it was a rant. And, you know, it's really making it sound like this, you know, foaming at the mouth thing. And I thought, okay, it is in some way newsworthy to certain news people. 
But I saw it. It's not it's not a rant. It's not, oh, boy, this is my chance to get revenge, which definitely was communicated when Takei was on the uh, the roast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was all kind of, you know, stupid. And, and my feeling was, and I think I posted this maybe on the Shatner site or somewhere, that um, I, w- I would like them both to just grow up and not discuss it anymore. Mm-hmm. It just reflects... For years, I thought this reflects so badly on George, and Bill was always very cool about it. And now I feel like, okay, it reflects badly on both of you. I agree. I, I watched it, too, and uh, I was like, oh, Bill, just shut up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no point in doing this and saying things like this, because in a way, you know... Oops. Sorry. Um, Are we still plugged in? Yes, we're still plugged in. Okay. I just want to get your foot off of the microphone. Cool. Oh, okay. Let's get pulled out. There we All go. right. No problem. Jeez. Um, in, in in a much bigger way, no one cares. <laughs> it's yes. just, it's so stupid. It's just totally not worth anybody arguing about or anybody's time and whatever. Just mm-hmm. ugh, leave it alone. Well, and uh, I was communicating with a friend of ours um, who also reads the Shatner Bulletin Board and things like that, and we were talking about it, and she was saying that it, it is her belief, and I'm not going to tell her name, on the air because uh, of what she she said to me, but I think she may have a point that um, the person who is the administrator of, of that site, mm-hmm. it is apparently like his his business. He, he's got a, a business venture mm-hmm. stake in it, and she said she thought he more or less said, here's a good question, ask, ask it, and the daughter just kind of mm-hmm. went along for it, and he probably even, you know, sent it out to the news media, and I haven't ever met this particular person, mm-hmm. but the person I was talking to had and said she gets this slimy vibe off him, so. <laughs> okay, well, that that's probably true, um, but, you know, I think we have said this about Bill, is that he does need to be um, handled at times, because he will say anything that comes into his head. And he has no common sense. And he has no common sense whatsoever, and will just say things, and he really needs someone to keep control about that. Right. And I'm hoping I am not sounding like I'm apologizing or making excuses for what Bill said, because as I say, I thought he said some stupid things, Mm -hmm. but I also think um, that it was mischaracterized by the media, Mm -hmm. however that came to be about. Uh, anyway. Okay, oh, on to happier news. Oh, sorry, you have something to say. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I, I was going to say that. Um, so, I will. you can tell people that um, go to theshatnerproject.com and you can see this video for yourself. Yeah, it's what do you there. think? It's on YouTube. Go and watch it and right. see what Bill had to say. Right. Okay. Star Trek The Experience. <gasps> which still... I don't know. This this one has a colon, so maybe they can now afford <laughs> punctuation. But here's what um, it says on Trek Today. And I'm reading this right off my head. Um, I haven't read it in prepared remarks. Or anything. Uh-oh, there better not be anything really bad. Uh, yeah, I hope it's not going to turn into a rant. The new Star Trek The Experience will be similar in some ways to the former one, but with modern updates. I didn't know that it was definite they were doing anything. As reported by InBusinessLasVegas.com, the owners of Neonapolis... <laughs> The future home of Star Trek The Experience. <laughs> okay. Expect it to be a big draw. <clears throat> the museum and the art center will represent the past and the present, and the Star Trek experience will represent the future, Ooh. said Rohit Joshi, representative for the owner of Neonopolis. 
The experience is slated to have five components, most of which could be ready by next year. Wow. There will be a food and beverage component, which is expected to include a restaurant and lounge. Another component will be a retail area with merchandise. Merchandise will be from all of the various Star Trek series. The other three components of the experience will be a museum that explores Star Trek history, a 4D movie theater, 4D... Are they moving through time? (laughs) That will be an interactive experience with high-tech seats to stimulate the senses and simulators. According to Joshi, there is sufficient funds to pay for the project, and permission has been obtained from CBS Pictures, who owns the right to Star Trek. Well, uh, my initial uh, reaction to that is, hooray, I'm glad it's not just going to die and go away and never be seen again. But um, in my experience, I think all of those things were already part of the experience. Uh, Yeah. So let me... (laughs) Uh, just as you've been saying that, I was just Googling a little bit. Of course. So here's what Wikipedia has to say about Neonopolis. Oh, okay. Just FYI. <clears throat> Neonopolis is an entertainment complex in Las Vegas, Nevada, located on top of a $15 million parking garage owned by the city. That's so weird. Really? It is located on the Fremont Street Experience at the corner of Las Vegas Boulevard. Neonopolis had been the permanent site of the Poker Dome, home of the Poker Dome Challenge. The first Poker Dome was held here on July 30th, 2006. The Poker Dome announced plans in June 2007 to pull out of Neonopolis, citing somebody's decision to drop its corporate sponsorship of the Poker Dome Challenge. Neonopolis is a multifunction complex with a bowling alley, arcade, several shops and restaurants, and a music venue named Jillian. Neonopolis has so far been a failure commercially, cycling through several buyers until it reached its current owners in 2006. Some have speculated that part of the problem is its insistence on charging for parking, whereas parking is free everywhere else in Las Vegas, including the much more popular strip. Hmm. So that's weird. Okay. Maybe that's the way of the future, though. Everybody's going to pay for parking. Pay for parking. Maybe that's the futuristic, futuristic well, part of it. But what, what if you don't have a car? Like, what if you fly there and you don't have a rental car? And you, Can you get in? <laughs> Do you have to rent a car and park it? To and maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> wow. That's really weird. So, Neonop, I never heard of Neonop Me neither. Before. And we've been to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I've been there recently. Well, that is interesting. Now I have to Google just a little bit more to see if there's any more. Well, that would be good, though, if it was all there. I mean, um, yeah, it would it would be nice. Well, let's, let's hope we get updates. Okay, next piece of news. Okay. Um, own your own Tribble. Klingons may want to avoid the offer, but for Tribble lovers, they can now own their own replica Tribbles that aren't just silent, motionless balls of fluff. Uh-oh. As reported by... Oh, Gizmo! <laughs> An electronic Tribble is the perfect pet for Federation residents and Vulcans alike. No quadro triticale is necessary. The six-inch Tribble will inch about the room while making trilling noises, such as the Tribbles did in the original series episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. Fortunately for those with limited space, these Tribbles do not have the reproductive capability of the original ones. Those who fear Klingon incursions into their domiciles may rest easy. A toggle switch on the bottom of the Tribble can be switched on, and the Tribble will emit the piercing shriek that warns all good Federation citizens that Klingon danger is near. I don't need to hear that noise ever again. Okay, here's a picture of the Tribble, and it actually looks to me like... um, those scrubbing things that you have in the shower. shower. <laughs> it's made of mesh. Yeah, yes, made does. of nylon mesh. That's what it looks like. So you can get 
your own uh, Tribble. And there's a link to read more, and I'm not going to go to it right now. Oh, it says the Tribble can be purchased. Here's a place. Oh, so, and how much do they want? For well, let's thing? find out. Let's click. Do, 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 do. Star Trek Electric Electronic Tribble Prop Recula. Replica. Sorry. <laughs> it's on YouBuyNow.com. And it is... This price twenty nine ninety nine. Our price twenty seven ninety nine. I wouldn't pay twenty seven dollars for a shower thing that crawls around on the floor and squeals. Well, here at me. you can see it's furry. It doesn't look so much like a shower thing. But um, let's read this. A diamond select release. Whatever you do, don't feed the tribbles. Recreating one of the most memorable and adorable aliens ever to appear on Star Trek. This original series tribble plush. Features real sounds in motion from the iconic episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. Exclamation point. <laughs> Trigger the Tribbles, calm, soothing coos, or switch the six-inch fur ball to agitated mode for the ultimate in Klingon detection. But, like, if you switched it into agitated mode, it would just sit there screaming? That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... It's just horrible. Okay, but you can get it. You can get it, folks. Isn't that exciting? Okay, let's go see what the other thing is. Oh, this. Lena will enjoy this. Okay, listen to this. If one likes a little sarcastic commentary with one Star Trek, Rift Tracks is the place Yay. to go. As reported by Rift Tracks, fans of Mystery Science Theater 3000 take heart. The sarcastic commentary is back with shows and movies, including Star Trek, being offered to fans for a modest price. So, MST3K, now they tell us what it was, and we already know that. So, they're saying Rift Tracks is the internet successor. Writer-performer Michael J. Nelson and others, including the occasional guest star, such as Weird Al Yankovic, mm -hmm. Joined together to poke fun at movies. MST3K fans may remember Nelson from the television series. Okay, blah, blah, blah. For Star Trek fans, there is one, there, there is been, has, I mean has, has been, been, one episode of Star Trek Voyager available, oh, really? the pilot caretaker. The rest of the available Star Trek offerings are movies, including Star Trek The Motion Picture, Star Trek, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek The Final Frontier, Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, and Star Trek Generations. The Rift Track site includes samples from each of the shows where one can try out the movie before deciding whether to purchase a download or not. For example, oh goody, in The Wrath of Khan, in the scene where Kirk sees a rather hungover Scotty, the dialogue went like this. Kirk, wee bit of what? McCoy. McCoy doesn't say that. Scotty says it. Shore leave, Admiral. Commentary with both Scottish accent. Ah, she was green and she was worth it. <laughs> and another comment was made regarding Scotty's nephew, the young and doomed Peter Preston. Preston. Midshipman, first class Peter Preston. Commentary. Designated casualty? Yes, sir! <laughs> Wait, there's one more. I just have to scroll a little. One of the funniest samples was that from The Final Frontier, a film long derided by fans of the original series. In the opening scene, Kirk is climbing Yosemite's <laughs> El Capitan. The comment on this scene, I can even climb a mountain with my new hair. He's actually trying to scale his own ego. That would be tough. Spock's rocket boots in the same scene came in for ridicule, too. Spock bought those used off Wiley B. Coyote. <laughs> no, just Wiley Coyote, no B. Anyway. That was funny. Well, I we reviewed that particular one. Didn't we? When we watched it. Oh, Is yeah. that the one we watched? That's the one we watched. 
Remember when they, they panned to the thing in, in the, um, the equivalent of 10 forward, the viewing day, mm-hmm. and it had the Enterprise thing, and they said, fanboy porn. Oh, right, right. Like oh, okay. Well, so apparently there is now more. That's great. Well, I'll, I'll remind people about Riff Tracks. Um, you go to rifftracks.com, and Tracks is spelled T-R-A-X, mm-hmm. and essentially what you're doing is just downloading, you're buying from them an MP3 which you play on your computer or your MP3 player at the same time as the movie. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the movie to do right. this. You don't get the movie at the same time. Right. And it works great. When we did it, it was pr- so easy to sync it up and we watched it. It worked and it was really well. Really, really funny. Yes. So I, I can definitely recommend it. We should do another one. Maybe we should I, do Generations. Well, I was thinking, you know, we were talking about maybe we would do a movie for yeah. our 100th show mm-hmm. coming up very soon, people. <laughs> um, it might be fun to do it that way. We could do that. Yeah. That would be funny. I love Rift Tracks. Yeah. It's great. Cool. So um, let me see if there was anything else newsy that I wanted to do from uh, Trek Today, which had a, just a lot of stuff in the past few days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in the election return, since we're going all political, CNN had people appearing to comment on the election via hologram. That's right. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, um, you can you can link to it and see it. I saw some of it on TV, and I was like, what? It says, it's no longer necessary to be interviewed in a certain location. Instead, one can be beamed in by a hologram from distant places. So, um, so they did that. I saw it with Jessica Yellen, who was in Chicago for the Barack Obama rally, was able to speak to CNN's Wolf Blitzer as if she were in the CNN studio via a holographic projection. And the strange thing is, Wolf Blitzer is standing like a good 10 feet away from her, which really makes it look like he's scared to, you know, get over there. Uh, my instant, my first reaction would be, let me put my hand through you. Let me hit you with a stick that, you know, and nothing happens to you. But what everybody wants to know is, did she say, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only home? Uh, Not the part I saw, but here's how they did it. Yellen was filmed in a specially constructed tent. A tent? A tent. So that there was no interference from other people around her. She explained the technology behind the hologram to Blitzer, saying that it involved 35 HD cameras. Another person joined CNN during co- coverage of the election returns. Performer and Obama supporter Will.I.A.M. Oh, no, I am. He's in the Black Eyed Peas. I like him. Oh, okay. Appeared via hologram, beamed to the CNN studio to speak with Anderson Cooper. Let's see if we can beam him in now, said Cooper, as the image of the performer appeared. Cooper went on to say that it looks exactly like in Star Trek when they would beam people down. That's what it looks like right here. And... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm speechless. I, I don't know. I think that CNN probably knew in advance that this election was going to be decided very fast. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't have to create a lot of expense. So they went for special effects. So they bought 35 HD cameras and decided to do the hologram. And, and do fanboy porn. <laughs> you know, I have to say that um, when I, the last time I was watching CNN when they were talking about some damn thing. Uh, I, I think it was during the, the primaries, actually. And um, they had just brought in those big, giant touchscreen TVs. And mm-hmm. they had, oh my God, those guys are so in love with those. Oh, things. I know. It's hilarious. It's, it really it's like, is. Look at my new toy. <laughs> it touch, is. Touch, touch, now touch. I'm going to show you what's going on in Iowa. Touch, touch, touch. Let's look at this county. Touch, touch. Oh, God. I don't need to do this, but I'm going to anyway. Exactly. I want to show it off. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Yes, it was pretty funny. 
that's great. So, anyway. Cool. Um, I wonder if we could get Bill to beam into where we are. They'll just step into this tent. <laughs> it would be fun. Do you want to talk about one more thing? We could do the um, horrible sex toys. I think we should save those for show 100. Oh, okay. All right. So that's a little preview, folks. We're yeah. going to talk about horrible sex toys. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> oh, okay. I have one more small thing that we can talk about. Oh, okay. Uh, on the Shatner Project. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of videos. I actually watched a bunch of them today. And uh, they're interesting, sort of. The one that was the funniest was Bill trying to explain about the uh, the drop kick, the flying leg kick. Oh, was, yes. This was fairly amusing. Someone had written in a comment to YouTube, I guess, asking him to explain how it works. So he did, and he said it only really works on stuntmen. Yes, <laughs> that was the most important thing to have was a stuntman to, yes. to fall to away. Fall <laughs> when you actually do that. And then this was great. He started to tell the story, which we've heard him tell many times. Uh, about how he actually was going to do this in a real-life situation when he was with his kids, and they were at a, an amusement park, and there were some obnoxious teenagers who were bothering them. So he starts to tell the story, and he says to his daughter, um, what's her name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Liz. Or Elizabeth. Liz, Liz, no Liz, E. No E. Lizbeth. Lizbeth. Yes. So he starts to say, you probably don't remember this because you were too young. She says, oh, no, I remember it really well. And then... As he's telling the story, she's correcting him at every sentence. Yep. And then eventually he shuts up and she just tells the story. It's very funny. And he just has this look on his face like, is that really how it happened? Because he's been telling this story for 30 years and he had clearly forgotten big chunks of it. Oh, huge chunks. And the funny thing is, you know, he, he said in his book, um, Me So Horny, that... Um, he makes things up. I mean, he's aware he does this. But apparently he has made this up so much, he thinks that's how he it happened. He thinks that's how it actually happened. But how it actually, actually happened yes. was that um, he his the reason he got so pissed off was that they were in bumper cars and he, his hand got cut because one of the kids came too close to him and there was mm -hmm. a sharp piece of metal. So he had a bloody hand. And he didn't actually try the flying kick, but he just got one of the teenagers in a headlock. Yes, and, and, and she was talking about yeah, that. And he just had this look on his face like, I have no memory of this whatsoever. And I know. Says, oh, yeah, that's what happened. And then this nice lady came over and shooed us all away. <laughs> so there were no cops, and Bill right? got her phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went to the hospital because he had to get stitches in his hand. Right. And he, again, he had this look like, really? That's what happened? And she was saying she remembered it very clearly because it traumatized her. <laughs> she should send that into that trauma.com site. Yeah, the kinder trauma site. Kinder trauma, oh, yes. That's so funny. So I just love the fact that here's this story that he's been telling over and over, you know, that he dines out on, so to speak, yes. and it turns out that it's mostly wrong, mm -hmm. and that there's someone who can tell the right version. But, you know, Bill is, first and foremost, an entertainer, and I think her version's pretty entertaining, but his version is the one he has told to That's be true. entertaining. That's so. true. So I'm wondering now, when he goes back to the cons, when he tells the story again, is he going to tell the version he's been telling, or is he going to incorporate some of the elements that she just brought up for the first time? You know, he will probably say, well, this is the way I remember it, but this is, you know, Lisbeth said I got a teenager in a headlock. And <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about So that. now I'm imagining, you know, there he is, and he's got like this 15-year-old skinny, punky kid, you know. With pimples. With pimples in a headlock. <laughs> yeah. Going, You've got my sir, hand. Sir, 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 stop that. I'm Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. Yeah. 
too funny. Anyway, so go watch that. It's pretty amusing to hear to see him. You know, if we ever write a sequel to that that wonderful, um, the the Russian always screams twice or whatever it is. Um, maybe we need to have that happen at the space carnival. Oh that my could God. be what kicks off the next thing. Oh, that's so funny. That is perfect. Yeah. That's a great idea. I like that idea a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Hey, to close the show, should we tell our big news? Yeah, let's tell our big news. Okay, this is something, folks, we have been talking about doing for like a year, Mm -hmm. and we're finally, it looks like, going to make it happen. We love doing Look at His Butt, and we love that you are out there listening to us and sending us stuff and, and, you know, writing things and, and sending us news. It's great. So we are going to move to the next level, which is we are going to perform Look at His Butt Live on stage in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We haven't definitely settled on a date, but I'm imagining it's probably going to be in January. Mm-hmm. So what it's going to be is um, the same sort of thing this this show is. Lots of chit-chatty talking heads, but now you'll see our, our talking <laughs> heads. And, you know, it'll be different every time we do it, just like this show is. But we are also going to be able to put in things that have direct audience interaction because now, hopefully... There's going to be people yeah. sitting there and responding. Like games. Like games, prizes. Craptastic prizes. We have so many wonderful ideas. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing after that is that in our personas as the Butt Girls, we are going to MC mm-hmm. the opening night festival. Gala. Thing. Gala. That's what they're calling it, a gala. The opening night gala of Women on the Way which is a festival in January of theater pieces, dance, whatever, you know, produced, performed about women. And so they're going to do little bits of it at that that gala, gala, however you say it. And we are going to be the MCs mm-hmm. doing a little little bit of a look at his butt. and uh, A lot of ad-libbing. A lot of ad-libbing and, you know, introducing the acts and... And filling time. While and they're, filling while they're time. saying time, you got to do five more minutes because they're That's not ready. That's right. And, yeah, you know, and, and we just have so much trouble ad-libbing and, and filling time. So if you are going to be in or near San Francisco in January, make your plans now. You want to see the Butt Girls live. We're hoping this is going to become something we can do fairly regularly. Yes. We're hoping it won't be just a one-time thing, yeah. but, you know, we could bomb, and then it might be. So uh, so we will be putting up information um, when we have more concrete stuff, because we don't know where things are going to happen. We do know that the Women on the Way is going to be at the, the Shotwell studio, right? It's actually at two different theaters, oh, okay. and one is that one, and the other one is, I believe, around the corner, and I can't think of the <laughs> name of it. But it is in downtown San Francisco. Yes. So if, if you live in or around the city, it will be very easy to get there, mm-hmm. um, and not too far from the bar stations. So right, you can right. even walk there if you need to. But um, the Women on the Way stuff is going to be, besides us, it's going to be very interesting anyway because mm-hmm. this is all meant to feature women who haven't done stuff professionally, so it's it's women who have talent who um, want to share it. So it'll be all new, interesting, cool stuff. And this has been going on for several years. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's obviously it. been good enough to keep on repeating. Yeah. And we're very excited to be part of it. We are. We because were, we are women and we're on the way. And we were thrilled to be asked to be the MCs for it, so it's going to be awesome. And we'll have uh, probably some fun props and maybe some prizes for that. I yeah, know. I think we probably will. Yeah, space candy. Yeah. And space milk. 
<laughs> and the live show will just have all kinds of stuff in it, including perhaps some some um, things from the show that you've heard before, but which definitely bear um, a second viewing. Yes, and, and I'm just so excited now to add this other dimension to it of, of a live show, having the audience right there mm-hmm. so we can talk to them and they can talk to us yeah. and... Uh, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be terrific. So put it on your calendar. Just block out the whole month of January <laughs> so that when we finally have dates, yes, we'll, we'll let you know. Okay. Well, I think that's it for this episode. I think that's it, too. So show 99, now we're on our way to the next 100 episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. We should party like it's show 99. <laughs> okay, that's it? Yep. Okay, until next time. <laughs>